Well, good morning again. It's good to see so many people out this morning. How many of you are looking forward to the, the Christmas uh, candlelight service this evening? It's such a beautiful service. Uh, don't worry if you don't know how candles work. We will let you know how to light your candles so that nobody gets hurt. Um, but we are uh, anticipating just an, an outstanding, a wonderful, a joyous time. Um, I'll tell you, after church last week, I was kind of uh, running around doing some different things, and we had a kids' choir up here singing, and there was a kids' choir way in the back uh, near my office singing, and people were just getting all kinds of things ready. I'm really excited to see uh, what's going to be going on this evening, and I want to thank in advance everybody who uh, is participating, everybody who has uh, led this, uh, this Christmas program, uh, Angie and Sherry uh, especially. They've just kind of pulled all of this together, and uh, we are looking forward to a, just a wonderful night of, of music, of theater, of just joy, um, and uh, food afterwards. Uh, but this is the uh, third week of Advent, and of course Advent is that time that we set aside to reflect on this time leading up to the birth of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ is literally the event that turned the world around. We base our calendar on the birth of Jesus Christ and as we have been celebrating these last three weeks, we have reflected first on the hope that Jesus Christ brings for salvation and for eternal life with God the Father. And last week, we talked about the peace that Jesus promises between us and His Father when we come to accept His free gift of salvation. And this week is all about joy. So, Joy, are you ready to... Oh, no, sorry. Different joy, although the embodiment of joy sits right here. And uh, I just learned uh, this morning, Joy was born on Christmas Eve. So just uh, another, uh, it's in the bullet and Joy, they can see it. I didn't tell anybody anything that was a secret. <laughs> but there are a lot of people that believe that joy is synonymous with happiness. And, and what is our traditional greeting at this time of year, when somebody comes up and we say, <laughs> That worked really well. We say, Merry Christmas. Of course, the, the British say, Happy Christmas, right? And other uh, countries, uh, the Spanish say, Feliz Navidad, which means, Happy Christmas. Uh, Buon Natale, which is good Christmas. The French say Joyeux Noël, which also means happy Christmas, although they kind of get the word joy in there a little bit. But merriment, happiness are usually what a lot of people are hoping for this time of year. We want to we have fun. We want to give gifts that we think will make other people happy. Other people want to give us gifts to make us happy. We go to parties to kind of get that sense of merriment or festive fun. And uh, went to Wendy's uh, uh, company Christmas party uh, last week. And of course wore my, my traditional hat of, of choice every year. It's a different one. I might wear it tonight. I don't know. But we look for these times of fun. We look to fill our lives with happiness or merriment. And a lot of times we forget 
that happiness, that merriment are temporary things. Happiness and merriment come from emotion. And how many times can we experience something or someone that makes us happy one minute and not happy the next? And this is the kind of feeling that people are looking for. And really what we want to seek is not this temporary happiness. It's not this temporary festivity or merriment. What Advent tells us to seek and to anticipate is joy. We've been going through uh, Advent and we've been looking at, uh, reflecting on some of the songs of the season. And we sing a lot of songs about joy during the, the holiday season, during Advent. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Right? One of the most popular Christmas songs that we hear. We hear it in movies and TV. We hear it at church. God rescue Mary, gentlemen, which talks about peace and joy and love and sounds so depressing. Have you ever listened to that song? It's in this minor key. God rest ye merry gentlemen. I mean, I'm like, dude, you're bringing me down a little bit here with, with God rest ye merry gentlemen. Oh, come all ye faithful, right? Is another song that we, that we sing. But even with all of these older Christmas songs, and most of us are familiar with those, there are some newer Christmas songs, some newer Christmas music that has come out. Um, and one song in particular to me comes to mind when I think about joy, when I just think about this, this idea of filling our hearts with Jesus Christ and filling our hearts with the joy that comes from knowing Him. And that is Mary's Boy Child. Has anybody ever heard Mary's Boy Child? Oh, it is a beautiful song. It was written by a man named Jester Hairston. Jester Hairston grew up just a few hours uh, west of here near uh, Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh in Homestead, Pennsylvania. And he happened to be one of the first uh, black students admitted to Tufts University in Boston, which was a big deal uh, back in that day. And later he studied music at Juilliard. And he generally wrote music for choirs. He wrote music for uh, church choirs. He wrote uh, spirituals. And you might not recognize him from this picture, but you might be familiar with some of his other work. If you've ever watched the movie Lilies of the Field with Sidney Poitier, or you've ever heard the song Amen. Does anybody, anybody know the song Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen, 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 hallelujah, right? That's, that's Hairston, that's Jester Hairston. And it's actually him, it is a little bit, bit of trivia, that's him singing the song. Sidney Poitier doesn't sing that song in the movie, it's actually Jerry Hairston, or, uh, Jester Hairston that does it. But he wrote this song, Mary's Boy Child, back in 1956. And originally, um, Harry Belafonte, sang this song, and it was a nice, it was like a choral kind of arrangement, and it was kind of slow. But in 1978, another group uh, recorded this song, a group named Boney M. Now, most of you might not know who Boney M is, but they're a Calypso group, 
And I want you to listen just to like the first minute of, of this song. I, probably many of you have heard it, you just don't realize it. Dave, do you have that uh, queued up? You guys, you recognize it now? Yeah. You can clap if you want. <laughs> you know this, uh, more people are, oh yeah, that's the one. Oh, now people are singing. I love it. I mean, I don't know about you, but the, the, the tune and the lyrics, it just, it makes me feel like dancing. It makes me just, it, it fills me with happiness, right? This song just kind of, kind of pulls on the emotions a little bit, and, and you just listen to it, you have that calypso beat. And I really love the opening. And I love it when radio stations play Christmas music and they play this song as the opening because the very first thing that people hear is Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. And man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. And right off the bat, this joyous song, this, this song that just kind of grabs you and, and takes you along on this just musical journey... And the first thing he's talking about is the saving power of Jesus Christ. Everybody who's listening to the radio, the, the, the secular radio, not Christian radio, secular radio, they're playing this song. And whether people realize it or not, they are hearing about the joy of Jesus Christ's birth. And they're hearing about what he has done, that he is going to allow us to live forevermore because of his birth, because he came to earth, because he lived, because he died, and because he was born again. And it's such a joyful kind of experience when I think of all of these people who may not have ever stepped foot inside of a church hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ play on the radio, or play on Spotify, or play on whatever it is that they're listening to. It's just there. And this is the meaning of Christmas. This is the meaning that we tell people that Christmas is about Jesus Christ and His birth. It's not about presents and it's not about trees and it's not about parties. It's not about Santa Claus and ho, ho, ho and Merry Christmas and all of those things. It is about the joy that comes when Jesus Christ saves us. When Jesus Christ gives us just this joy that we can know God the Father. And I think a lot of times we get so busy with, 
with presents and with shopping and with cooking and finding the right party tray to bring to the Christmas candlelight service and all of these things. And when are we going to do this? Oh, we've got to stop after church and get this because we've got to go do this. And then we've got a rehearsal. And oh, who's going to go get the pizza? And who's going to do this? And who's going to do that? And we get just so involved in all of these things. And I'm not saying they're bad things. But I think we get so involved in so much thinking in those terms that we forget what Christmas really is about. We say we know what it's about. We say it's about Jesus Christ. But think of the joy that came when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ. Think of just the, the, the peace and the hope that you felt and the joy that welled up within you knowing that Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, that you now get to spend eternity with God the Father. That is joy. And that is what we're talking about. And Jesus spent a lot of time being joyous. Jesus rejoiced with the Father, and he rejoiced with his disciples. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 disciples, and he says, go and do the work of the kingdom of God. And they go out, and they cast out demons, and they heal the sick, and they do all of these great and wonderful things. And we read that the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But Jesus told them that there's something even greater to rejoice about. In verse 20, he tells them, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And Jesus said this for a very specific reason. Because we don't always understand God's will. We don't always understand what God is doing in the lives of people or in our own lives. And how many of us have ever prayed for healing that didn't come when we prayed? How many of us prayed for healing for someone else that never came after we prayed? Do we feel God's joy when that happens? Or do we slip into the emotion either of despair or of anger because God's not answering my prayer? This is what Jesus is talking about. God may not always have you cast out a demon. God may not always have you lay hands on the sick and they become healed right away. Don't focus on the emotion that you're feeling right now. What a lot of churches call this mountaintop experience where we're, everything is going well with God and we're just so happy. Don't focus on that. Focus on the joy in knowing that your name is written in the book of life and that no matter what happens, no matter what happens, that cannot be taken away from you. This is what Jesus is focusing on. And we listen to this song, Mary's Boy Child, Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day, and we 
learn that man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. This is what Jesus says. Rejoice and you will live forever. And that's why right afterwards, he, he sa- we read this in the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. If we are looking for joy, joy is going to come from the Holy Spirit. It's going to come from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That is where our joy comes from. Let's not worry so much about whether we're happy because happiness fades. Excitement fades. And a lot of times I hear people, uh, I I hear pastors especially, say things like, well, why can't church be more like a football stadium on a Sunday afternoon? And everybody's so excited, yay, and cheering and all of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but what happens when things go bad? When they're playing football, we're not so happy anymore. I don't think it's about this emotional experience. Even the music that we listen to, music is a very emotional thing. And a lot of times it can draw us into a deeper worship relationship with God. But it is not the end-all be-all of worshiping God. Because if we don't like the music that's being played... A lot of times we stop focusing on God and we start focusing on who's singing flat. We start focusing on the feedback over the microphones. We start focusing on everything else except what our focus should be and that is worshiping God the Father in any circumstance. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about joy. When Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit, the very first thing he did, he prayed over his disciples and he thanked God that God was doing his will through the disciples. It was all focusing on God. And later on, when Jesus was facing the end of his human life and getting ready for his death on the cross... He spoke often to the disciples about the love of God in John 15, 9-10. He says, As the Father has loved me, so, I, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. And this is all about love. And next week our focus is on the love of God. But let's look at what Jesus said right after this in verse 11. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Jesus says that my joy may be in you. How often do we think about Jesus being full of joy. Most of the time, I mean, we, we look at a lot of depictions of Jesus. I watch a lot of, of like Jesus of Nazareth and the, the, the greatest story ever told. Anybody watch those movies? Does Jesus ever look happy? Does, he, does Jesus ever look joyful in any of those depictions of him? Passion of the Christ, they did a pretty good job of of showing that Jesus 
was joyful, even as he was being, as the week was leading up to his death on the cross. But most of the time we just see Jesus and things are happening around him and he's just kind of like this. Now the Bible doesn't specifically say this, but I believe Jesus laughed. Do you think Jesus laughed? Do you think Jesus was full enough of joy that when he was with his disciples, that he laughed with them? Not at the expense of other people. We're not talking about Jesus the comedian. But we're talking about when they were celebrating that Jesus would celebrate. I mean, we look at the, the, the scenes in the movies where Jesus goes to this wedding. And everybody around in the wedding is dancing and joyful and Jesus is standing over in a corner. Just waiting. And Mary comes up and says, hey, they've run out of wine. Wine. And then he steps back. He is at the most joyous event of this couple's life. I think he laughed. I think Jesus danced. I think Jesus celebrated with his disciples. And we can find some places in Scripture where it appears that Jesus does have a little bit of a sense of humor. And when Jesus said it's harder for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven, I think Jesus was kind of smiling a little bit when he said that. I mean, think of the absurdity of that picture. Have you ever tried to actually picture a camel going through the eye of a needle? It's kind of funny when you, when you picture it. And I think Jesus was using that absurdity to get his point across. Or when he suggests, take the log from your own eye before you take the splinter out of your neighbor's eye. I think he wanted people to picture somebody with a big log in their eye. It's the absurdity of that situation that helps Jesus to get his point across. This is what you look like. You look like you've got this big log in your eye, and while you've got it there, you're trying to do this with your neighbor, trying to find the little splinter that's in there. And let's not forget, Jesus lived a life in such a way that the religious leaders accused him of gluttony and drunkenness and of being a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We probably know that tax collectors and sinners knew how to have a good time. And I'm not saying that Jesus laughed with their crass jokes. But what I am saying is that when Jesus was with them, I don't think Jesus was sitting here. Why are you doing that? I don't think that's what it was. I think we can assume that Jesus laughed at least a few times in his life. But again, not at somebody's expense. I think it was a laughter that was the result of overflowing joy from Jesus. And we see right here that my joy may be in you. That your joy 
may be full. When we get to a point of joy, we also get to a point of contentment. We don't always have to be happy. We can be sad. We can even be angry. We can be upset. We can be frustrated. But when the joy of Jesus Christ flows from us, it makes our anger kind of fade away. It makes our frustration kind of easier to deal with because we know that Jesus Christ is living within us. And there's one other thing in this song, Mary's Boy Child. There, there's a section that talks about, it's almost like its own Advent series in and of itself. Dave, do you have that just short section? There were tears of joy and laughter. People shouted, let everyone know there is hope for all to find peace. And why? Because Jesus loved us enough to come to earth, to live and to die and to rise again for us. Jesus' birth brought great joy. Brought joy to Joseph and Mary. If you're a parent, do you remember the joy that came when your child was finally born and you were able to hold it in your arms? I remember the very first time when Wendy and I had Tom. Now, Tom was huge when he was born. I, I swear to you, he felt like a cinder block in my arm. But I looked down at him the first time they put him in my arms. And the joy that I felt. It wasn't happiness that he was finally here. It wasn't happiness that Wendy didn't have to worry about carrying around this Volvo for you know another nine months or something. It was just joy that God gave us this person. To take care of. And I didn't even realize it at the time. When Tom was born, I was living pretty far away from God. But I felt his joy when I held that baby in my arms. And Joseph and Mary had to have felt joy because they knew who Jesus was. They knew the angel told them what Jesus was going to be and what he was going to do. That he was going to be for the salvation of all people. And they got to look into his face on that first night. They were full of joy. The news of Jesus' birth, the birth of Messiah, filled shepherds with joy. These Guys that were just sitting out in the field, minding their own business, probably getting ready to go to sleep, or at least take shifts going to sleep. And all of a sudden, an angel appears and says, I bring you good tidings of great joy. 
which will be for all people. And not only did they bring good tidings of great joy, that news filled the shepherds with so much joy that they dropped what they were doing and they ran to Bethlehem. And along the way, they told everybody. The Bible says they told everyone as they were heading to Jerusalem about the message from the angel. And it says people were perplexed. What are those weirdos talking about? And Christians, I think it's time for people to point to us and say, what are those weirdos talking about? How can they possibly be filled with so much joy? It's different than what I'm feeling on Christmas Day. I open my presents and 10 minutes later I'm arguing about whether or not we're going to have green beans or peas with our Christmas dinner. This is joy that we're talking about. And they were so full of joy that they told people. They told people when they, when they went to Bethlehem. They were telling people when they came back from Bethlehem. It changed their lives. And later, when the Magi crossed the desert a thousand miles to give Jesus gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They did it because they were full of joy. The king, the person they had heard about that was going to save Israel had come. And they made their trek and it was full of joy. And there were two other people that were full of joy about eight days after Jesus was born. Joseph and Mary, after eight days, took the baby to the temple to be dedicated to God. That was the way of things. And on that eighth day, two people ran into them at the temple. A man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. Simeon was a man who had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen Messiah, before he had set his face on Christ. And in Luke chapter 2, 27 to 32, it says, and he came in the spirit, this is, this is Simeon, he came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. God, you kept your promise. I got to look on the salvation of the world. Simeon was able to die full of joy because he had encountered Jesus Christ. And then Anna. Anna was a prophetess. She had spent years every day in the temple praying and fasting. And we read that coming up at that very hour to the temple, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She, she was the first gospel preacher after Jesus was born. 
she told everybody about who Jesus was, that he was going to be the Savior of the people. She was full of joy because she had waited for this for over 80 years. And finally the day came. Jesus is the giver of salvation. He is the giver of redemption. And when we say yes to Jesus Christ, when we acknowledge that we are sinners, when we acknowledge that we are wrong, that we are living apart from God, Jesus saves us. He gives us forgiveness. And He fills us with joy. In this Advent season, we got to think about it. Are we pursuing merriment? Are we pursuing happiness? Because I got to tell you, if you are, you will always be pursuing it. Because happiness is temporary. Happiness lasts for a while, and then you got to find the next thing to make you happy. That's not the way it is with Jesus. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ, when you become His disciple, you are filled with joy, and that joy lasts for eternity. You don't have to go looking for it. Jesus gives it to you. And He gives it to you so that you can be full. He wants to put His joy into us. And as His joy permeates us, we can know that no matter the circumstance, no matter what is happening in our lives, whether we are happy or sad or whatever, that we can trust in God the Father. We can trust His will. We can trust that whatever is happening in our lives, God is going to use it for good as long as we continue to obey Him. As long as we do His will, everything is going to work together for good. For those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose, His purpose, His will. And most of all, we can trust when Jesus says, you are forgiven, you are forgiven. You don't have to doubt that. And guess what? If you mess up, you can go to Jesus Christ and you can ask to be forgiven. And He will forgive you. This is the joy of Jesus Christ. This joy in knowing that we can live our lives on earth trusting God and that someday we will live in eternity with Him. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank You so much for today. We thank You for Your Son. We thank You for the joy that was in Him that He poured out to us. Father, we thank You that we don't have to rely on happiness. We don't have to rely on merriment. We don't have to rely on emotion. We don't have to rely on any of those things that are fleeting, that are temporary. 
Because you are permanent. Because you are eternal. And because you give us eternal life when we come to faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, let us be a little weird. Let us leave this place this morning telling anyone that we come into contact with that we have the joy of Jesus Christ and that they can have it too. Give us opportunities to share the gospel. Give us opportunities to share the joy of Jesus Christ wherever we go and whatever we're doing. And Father, let us just shine that joy no matter what's happening. And we thank you, Father. We ask that you would just refill us with the Holy Spirit, refill us with that joy. Let us do the work of building your kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know what that song really means? That song really means that we have nothing that we can bring to Jesus Christ. The only thing we can bring is ourselves. We can offer to God the talents and the gifts that he has given us. And Jesus will save us when we repent and when we use those talents and gifts to build God's kingdom. And that's my encouragement for you today. Use your gifts, use your talent, use the experiences that you have had to share the joy that is Jesus Christ with everyone you meet. Hope to see all of you here this evening at 6 o'clock. God bless you.